2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. I'm just continuing this morning in, in a series that we've done on um, just our mission statement and sort of some core issues with, within the church uh, that we want to uh, speak about and which are really so important. And uh, we, we've talked about our, what our mission is, that we exist to glorify God by growing disciples of Jesus Christ in community. And uh, one of the reasons that community element is, is important is, is the need to come together in giving and in generosity uh, to help make disciples here, but then also to support the work of making disciples, whether that's through gospel proclamation or, or through uh, missionaries who go to train pastors such as uh, Josh Hutchins and Stacy Lee in, in Malawi and the work that they're doing there. Uh, they're not doing so much evangelism, although they are doing that, but, but training pastors who can then go into uh, these churches uh, and, and teach and preach and, and continue to disciple, as that Great Commission says, right? The Great Commission says that, that we're to go to all the world and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things. And so someone like Josh Hutchins is working to teach all things that Christ has commanded us. And uh, so the, the importance of, of generosity and, and giving is really central to what we do. And I'll just say this as we start by way of introduction this morning. Once, once again, 2 Corinthians 8 uh, verses 1 through 15 is what we'll be looking at. Uh, but as, as I've been here and just seen church ministry, and sometimes you see it in other places as well, uh, there's always ebbs and flows uh, when it comes to finances in, in a church. And there have been times that we've uh, preached about giving. We even did a series at one point on giving. And, and sometimes that's coming from a place of really admonishment that, that we need to be more faithful in that area. And perhaps there are some here uh, who are not faithfully and generously giving. And, and, and you should hear this word this morning. But uh, this morning as we come, really, this is uh, an encouragement uh, because the Lord has been blessing us. He's, he's been providing for us financially. We were just able last week uh, in our business meeting, if you weren't here, uh, to vote to give $5,000 to Barry Quarter. Uh, we're supporting them monthly, uh, but then he's, he's trying to build or, or purchase a building there in the, in the country of Georgia so that he can have a, a ministry center and, and train pastors and, and so forth. And, and we were able to give to that because of the faithful generosity of the saints who are here. And so uh, I want to encourage you, uh, but nevertheless, it's good to come back and look at what the Word of God says uh, and be reminded about the importance of giving. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and even beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove the earnestness 
of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish, the, finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. I want to just jump in, and, and I just want to point out various things in, in this text about the uniqueness of Christian giving. And so I'm not going to do a, a long introduction, but I just want us to see, uh, because this is one of those central passages about giving, and if we're thinking about uh, what should we do and the manner in which we should do it and sort of the motivation for giving. This text is just rich with, with all kinds of truth. And so I want to jump in and you can follow along on the back of your bulletin. Uh, I think I had seven and there might be eight or nine uh, marks of, of Christian giving now. Uh, but, but you can follow along with that and we'll try to move quickly through these things. And so the first thing that we just want to see from this text is that Christian giving is a product of the grace of God. It is a product of God's grace in an individual's life. Look at verse number one. You see it there. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians and they had intended, they had stated their intention to give an offering that would be sent to the church at Jerusalem who, who was struggling, and they had stated their intention to do that, but they had not followed through. And so now Paul is pointing to the Macedonians, and he's saying, I want to encourage you by looking at their act of generosity that that might sort of commend to you the practice of generosity as well. And so he said, I want you to know about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. The Macedonians, as he's going to go on to say, have given, and they, they gave out of an abundance of, of joy, even in the midst of a severe test of affliction. And, and they gave, really verse number two tells us, even out of extreme poverty. So the Macedonian church had given, uh, and, and in their giving was not because they had just an abundance of wealth, but because they had an abundance of generosity. And, and Paul points to that in verse number one, and he says, I want to talk to you about their giving, but notice what he says there in verse one. I, I, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Do, do you notice here he's, he's going to describe their act of giving, the churches in Macedonia, but the way that he describes it is not to talk about what they've done, but to say, this is the grace of God. You see, he, he, it was them, the Macedonians, who had done the giving, 
And so we would, th we would think, I want to talk to you about their generous act of giving. But he doesn't say that. He says, I want to talk to you about the grace of God that is in Macedonia. He calls it the grace of God. It was their gracious act, and, and yet he refers to it as God's grace. This means, I think, in verse number one, that, that their good deed was actually initiated by or is owing to the grace of God. And really, that's true with all of our goodness. Whatever good that we do as Christian believers, when we sort of trace that back, where did that come from? Oh, you were kind to someone? You expressed love to someone? You expressed generosity? You did some good thing in your life? Where did that come from in your life? Ultimately, that goodness in you is owing to the grace of God. And that's what Paul is saying here of the Macedonians. He's saying, I want to talk to you about their act of giving, but he, but he refers to it as the grace of God. You see, God's grace produces all of our good. If there's anything good in me, if there's anything good in you, it comes from the grace of God. All forms of virtue, all good works result from the presence of God's grace in a person's life. For instance, love is produced by God's love. We love, the Apostle John says, why? Because he first loved us. Love that exudes from us and issues forth to other people is, is first given to us by God. Paul's missionary zeal was produced by the grace of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. So it seems like Paul is pointing to himself and he's saying, look, I have worked very hard and I have great zeal for this missionary work that I am doing. And I've worked harder, in fact, than everyone else who has gone out as, as missionaries to proclaim the gospel. But notice what he says. Though it was not I, but the grace of God within me. You see Paul saying, look at this zeal, look at this work. But, but recognize... When you see my work and my effort, the good that I'm seeking to do, what you really need to see is that it was God's grace producing that in me. And so it is with the Macedonians. I've knocked that off like three times, so I'm just going to leave it down there. Uh, and, and so it is with us. If there's any goodness, if there's anything produced in our life that is praiseworthy, it is ultimately to be traced back to the grace of God. And that is true with the act of generosity remember what jesus said apart from me you can do nothing that means i think that if you do anything it's because of him it's because of his grace if you can do nothing apart from him then if you do something it's because of your connection to christ and what he's producing in your life the confession 1689 that jared's teaching through in in sunday school has an article about good works and it says believers ability to do good works does not arise at all from themselves does not arise at all from themselves, but entirely from the Spirit of Christ. And that's what Paul is pointing out here. Christian giving is something that arises from the grace of God, and it doesn't arise from other sources. Listen, there are people that are generous who are not believers, who have not experienced the grace of God. So, so why, why are they generous? Well, there are other motivations Generosity can arise from, from other places or giving can arise from other concerns or from other matters. You, you could want to build a, a, a name for yourself. Look at that person. They're so benevolent. They're so kind. And, and you're giving because you're receiving this, this good reputation. People think highly of you. You can give because you have a, a guilty conscience. 
You, you know, sometimes wealthy people have pushed people down and they've stepped on people on their way up to the top. And now that they're at the top, they have all of this guilt because of the things that they've done. And so now they're generous to appease their conscience. You can have a legalistic mindset that, that is somehow trying to maybe get some good karma or, or maybe trying to please the man upstairs. If I give and if I'm generous, uh, you know, some good stuff will come back to me, Right. You can give because of that. You can give because of obligation. There's some sort of social pressure or some kind of expectation from others around you. There are all kinds of motivations for giving, but Christian giving arises from the grace of God at work in our lives. The believer is one who has freely received all of God's blessings in Christ and it has transformed him or her. This person has been forgiven an insurmountable debt. This person has received all spiritual blessings in Christ. This person is indwelt by the Spirit of God. And all of these blessings of grace produce generosity so that when you see a generous Christian, you can say, there is the grace of God. Look at that person, how generous they are. That is God's grace in their life. And the same is true for any virtue, for any goodness that you see in anyone. Secondly, generous giving, Christian giving, is not dependent upon abundance. It's not dependent upon abundance. He says in verse number two, speaking about this act uh, or this gift from the Macedonians, he says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their parts for they gave according to their means as i can testify and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints just notice the way that he describes their giving they they gave in a time of a, a severe test of affliction they themselves we're in the midst of struggling. And we don't know the full nature of all of that struggling, but they're smack dab in the middle of a great and a severe trial. And even in that moment, they are giving to others. And perhaps there, there are various parts or dimensions to this trial that they're in, but certainly one, one aspect of this trial that they are enduring is, is their extreme poverty. Verse number two tells us that they were in extreme poverty poverty and verse number three tells us that they gave according to their means which is good they didn't have much but they gave according to their means but he goes on to say they actually even gave beyond their means so theirs was an extraordinary extraordinary example of sacrificial giving that is sacrificial giving is when you give to the point that you must rely upon god to meet your needs you're sacrificing. I, I, I legitimately need this, and, and yet I want to give, and so I'm going to give, and I'm going to trust God to provide for my needs. You see, the greatness of giving is not in what it cost, but what it cost you. You remember Jesus who spoke of the, the widow in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, I won't take time to read that, but here everyone is standing in the temple and they're giving their gifts. And, and of course, Jesus talked about those who, who love to sort of, you know, bang the, the, the uh, offering plate and make a little noise so everybody was looking at them when they give and see how much they give and look how great I am. And here comes this poor widow and, and she puts in two mites, two pennies and and jesus takes time to point her out and say look look at this woman she gave more than everyone else why because she gave all that she had that, that was her last two pennies and she 
gave it generously. And Jesus commends that and recognizes that she's giving more than anyone else. You see, Christian generosity is is the overflow of grace in a person's life, not necessarily the overflow of money. Christian giving is the overflow of grace in a person's life, not necessarily the overflow of money. You think of people in the world who are generous, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, there's news about them all the time about how many millions of dollars they're giving, but, but they can give away millions because they have billions, right? They, they have billions of billions of dollars. You could never spend all the money that they have. For, you know, if you, if you lived a hundred lifetimes, uh, you wouldn't be able to spend that. They have so much, and so they're able to be generous. Their giving is from an abundance of money. But Christian giving so often is really not from an abundance of possessions or a, an abundance of wealth, but it is an abundance of generosity. Notice in verse number two, th- this little description, this little phrase in verse number two, he, he says it has overflowed in a wealth, not of money, but in a wealth of generosity. The Macedonians did not have an abundance of money, but they did have an abundance of generosity. And so they gave from a wealth of generosity you know so often we think well we can only give if our financial situation is certain if we have an abundance if we have more than we need then then we can give but that is not necessarily the case he is going to show us later on that that there is a principle of giving Uh, whoever's been given much should 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 give and so forth there there is sort of a, a fairness or a proportionality to new testament giving but this kind of sacrificial giving helps us see that we don't always just wait till we feel like we have everything that we need taken care of and then if we have anything left over then we can give that's not what we see here And we need to recognize here that sacrificial giving, as Paul is talking about here, is not commanded. He doesn't say you must do this. You must give more than you have, just like the Macedonians. That's not what he says, but it certainly is commended. To to be sure, he tells them in verse number 18, or verse number 8 rather, uh, that, that he is not commanding them to give in this way. Later, Paul will teach that giving is ordinarily in accordance with what one has and not with what they do not have, verses 12 and 13. Nevertheless, he is holding this out as a positive example that he hopes we will emulate. This is an example that is commended to us so that we can give, that demonstrates to us that we can give even in times of perceived want. And that's, that's really the, the challenge. The, the reality is this. The heart that is motivated by legalism or that is simply motivated by sort of outside pressure will always find excuses not to give when, when, it's, when it is possible. While the heart that is overflowing with God's grace will find ways to give even when it seems impossible. And that's the difference. That's that's Christian giving. The the person that's sort of legalistic or pressure, they're going to find reasons why they can't give even when it's probably possible. But the heart that really is transformed by the grace of God is going to find ways to give even when it seems impossible. Thirdly, Christian giving sees generosity as a blessing to the giver. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Notice verse number four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Look at this eagerness. They are in a severe affliction. They, they have extreme poverty, and yet they're saying to Paul, and, and it's almost as if Paul is saying, you all don't need to give. You're really no better off than, than these saints over here. You're in the middle of an affliction. That's, that's not really necessary. But they beg him for the grace of giving. And, and that's what that word means here, this, where it says the, the grace it's, it, or the favor. It, it means grace. Uh, it, it means blessing. And, and so that's what they see giving as, hey, we want to do this because this is actually a blessing to us. It's a favor to us. Paul, don't, don't prohibit us from giving. We want God's grace. We want God's blessing. And so we want to, to, we want to take part in this offering. They begged because they viewed the opportunity to give as a grace or blessing or favor to themselves. They, they remembered the words of Jesus Christ. Do you remember Acts 20.35 that, that reminds us? Remember the words of, our, of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. These Macedonians had taken that to heart. They understood that. There is a blessing in giving, and even though we're in the midst of extreme poverty, we don't want to miss out on that blessing. You might ask, how, how are you blessed? How are you graced by, by giving to others? Well, we could say you're blessed now in some ways and you're blessed in the future. You're blessed now because this, this is true. God will meet your needs. We don't give because we see it as having an unfavorable effect on, on the bottom line often. If, if I give, I, I won't have enough, right? That's our mindset so, so often. But in reality, the Bible teaches that God most often, or we could say ordinarily, blesses those who give. And so there is a blessing in giving. This is the blessing. As I give, even when I'm giving and I'm, I'm unsure of how my needs are going to be met, when, when I am giving, God will be faithful so often to provide for your needs, and, and sometimes miraculously so. Look at, listen to 2 Corinthians 9, just one chapter over. Verse 7, the last part of verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then verse number 10, he who supplies seed to the sower, here he's talking about uh, money to, to give. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And so God will supply your needs. He will meet your needs. So, so what is the blessing of giving? The blessing is this. As you begin to faithfully give, you will see God faithfully meet your needs. Malachi 3.10, God speaking to His old covenant people, and he, and he really invites them. He says, put me to the test. See if I'm faithful. And now that, that's remarkable because all over Scripture, uh, we see God kind of cautioning people. Don't put me to the test. Don't, don't try to test me here to see if, and, and even Jesus, when he is uh, tempted by Satan, he quotes and he says, don't put the Lord your God to the test. But in this particular case, God told his old covenant people in Malachi 3, 10, 
Put me to the test. See if I'll be faithful to you. Give generously as I've commanded you to do. And as you give, you will see me open the windows of heaven and meet your need. And I would encourage you this morning to put the Lord to the test in in this area. If you are faithful, God has demonstrated to his people over and over again that he will supply your needs. There's a second way that you will be blessed. And that is that you will see the benefit of your giving. There is such a blessing and there is such a joy to, to, to seeing and, and being able to meet needs, being able to participate and, and help others in their, their ministry. I just think just hearing Barry Corder here a, a couple of weeks ago and, and knowing that we have been generous that we have given to him and then have him stand here in this pulpit and tell us about how he's able to reach these believers and reach these people from, from the nation of Iran, this closed country. And we're taking part in that. We're, we're a part of that. We're a small part, right? But we're giving to him. We're supporting him. There is a blessing in knowing that, that we, are, we are part of the reason that the quarters are able to be where they are or Josh Hutchins in Malawi, or, or really hundreds more that we support through the International Mission Board. They are there preaching the gospel, and it is a blessing to know that we are part of that through our generosity. Third, when you give, you're blessed because you're liberated from slavery to material things. Jesus speaks and cautions really a lot about money. Jesus speaks about money more than anybody else in the Bible. And and one of the things that he cautions is about the deceitfulness of riches. He says to watch out and and to be on guard against all kinds of greed. And and really, this is the way that riches are deceitful. And this is the primary deception. And, And that is, you get a little bit, this is nice. I just need a little bit more to be happy. I, I don't want to give. I don't want to be generous because, you know, if I had a little bit more, this is what I could do. If I had a little bit more, I could have that car instead of this car. Well, now I've got that. And, you know, really, I, I know the Lord has blessed me and I should be generous. But, but now here's this opportunity to have something more. And, and listen, this is the reality. That is a never-ending process. You never get to the point where you're like, I have everything that I want now. Right. If you buy into that lie, you just keep pursuing it to the very end of your life or until you become completely disillusioned with with material things altogether. And you see people who are like that uh, and and go in all kinds of of different directions. You will always feel like you need more and and newer and better. But I'm going to tell you this. If you will begin practicing generosity, it just cuts that out of your heart. If you say, I'm just going to give, I'm going to be faithful to give. And, and, and as the Lord blesses and increases how much I have, I'm, I'm going to continue to give even more. So if I get a raise, I'm going to increase my level of giving. I'm going to look for other ministries or other missionaries or, or other uh, people who are helping the poor, other ways that I can give faithfully and generously. And I'm going to just continue increasing generosity. It will deliver you from the enslavement of the deceitfulness of riches you will be blessed now but you will also be blessed later if you give of course we remember the words of of jesus don't lay up treasures on this earth listen if if you are not generous just think about how crazy this is you're storing up things in this world that tomorrow could be gone 
He says, don't store up treasures on this earth where uh, moth and rust uh, corrupt and thieves break through and steal. I mean, you lose things even in this life. You see people have stored up and then some kind of financial crisis comes and it's just gone. It's gone. Or somebody steals it or, or, or over time it just uh, it, it wears out. It, you lose it. And, and if you don't lose it before then, you're certainly going to lose it at the end of your life. Your life is going to come to an end. And then all the things that you've acquired, whose are they going to be? It's all going to be gone. Don't lay up treasures. Don't store up treasures on this earth. Instead, Store up treasures in heaven. Be a wise steward, Jesus teaches in, in the Gospels. Take what you have now and invest it in the kingdom that is going to be an eternal kingdom. Do you see the, the kingdoms of this world? This, this world is passing away. It's fading away. And if you're storing up everything in a world that's fading away, you're going to lose it all. But, but if you store up, take what you have now and use it for the kingdom, that's going to be a reward that you will not lose. You are blessed now. You will be less blessed later if you're generous. Christian giving, as I've already mentioned, is, is equitable. He does speak to uh, generous and, and sacrificial giving early on, but in verses 12 through 15, we, we see this principle of, of equity. So look at verse 12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has and not according to what he does does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. And so we, we see this here. He, he held out this example of sacrificial giving, but he said this, this is not required, but, but there is this principle of, of giving that really is all through Scripture. He doesn't want them, he says in verse number 12, to give beyond their means. He doesn't want them, verse 13, to be burdened. He's asking that they give of their abundance. And, and really that is uh, in, in line with the Old Testament principle of tithing. Right. If you're giving a percentage, those who have much are giving more. Those who have little are, are giving less. Giving like this does two important things. First, it helps a giver to be content and dependent on the Lord. It keeps us from becoming the rich fool who trusts in his wealth. And secondly, it's the means that God uses to supply the needs of others as he's doing here for the Macedonians and the church at Jerusalem. And so these are some important truths that, that we see here. Uh, it's giving from an abundance. Now, here's the problem. So often we deceive ourselves into thinking we don't have an abundance. We say, well, he says here not to give beyond your means, and I really just don't have, have the means. But what you need to recognize is that the human heart is deceitful above all things. Let's just consider our, our abundance. As we sit here in the United States of America at this point in history, if we don't have an abundance, who does? Is there anyone ever who has had abundance, who has more than they need, if not us? I, I, I think not. And so when we tell ourselves, I would give, but I just don't have enough, you're deceiving yourself. Even some of the poorest among us, right? 
when you, when you consider and you evaluate your position, you, you evaluate where you are financially and the things that you have compared to most every other place in the world and most every other time throughout history, you have an abundance. You have the ability to give. The problem, as I've already said, is that so often we're not content. We've bought into the deceitfulness of riches, which tells us there's always something more. There's always something else that we need. I would give, but now I need this. And, and I've got that, and now maybe I would give now, but, but now I need this. We never feel that our needs are, are met. We never feel that we have an abundance, but that simply is not true. Next, we see that Christian giving arises from a heart that is dev- devoted to God. Look at verse number 5. It comes from a heart that is devoted to God. They were begging us in verse 4, begging us earnestly to take part in this. And this, he says, not as we expected. I didn't expect them to do this. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You see where this giving is coming from? It's not from any external coercion from the Apostle Paul who shows up in Macedonia and says, you all need to give. You need to sow a seed. The law of God tells you you must do this. I don't care that you're impoverished. You need to, you need to give even more. No, 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 that's not where it came from. Paul said, I didn't even expect them to do it. It, it, it seems apparent that, that he was maybe even telling them that it wasn't necessary for them to, to give because they themselves were impoverished. And yet, he says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. It's not coerced. The Macedonians gave themselves to the Lord. They gave themselves to God. This this kind of giving can only be produced when a person gives themselves to God. When your heart belongs to God, this kind of giving will come naturally. And if you are hesitant, if you're resistant to faithful, generous giving, you, you may want to evaluate whether or not you've given your heart to the Lord. Christian giving requires resolve. Look at verse number 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. The Macedonians had done it. The Corinthians said that they were going to participate, but now it just seems like they haven't followed through with what they said they were going to do. And so now he says, I'm I'm urging you through Titus who he's sending to them, I'm urging you that that what you started, you, you would complete. Complete this act of grace of grace giving requires resolve you see it's so easy to let your good intention slip when it comes to giving look at verse number 10 and in this matter i give my judgment this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work but also to desire to do it so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have so he's calling them to be resolved in their giving listen with so many things, isn't it so easy to have desire, to, to sort of have good intentions and not follow through? And giving is one of those areas where it just it takes a level of commitment to say, I'm going to do this and I'm resolved to finish. Christian giving requires discipline. It, fo- it requires commitment and follow through. It's a discipline that really must be cultivated, just like, like anything. Uh, you just use that word discipline, right? When you discipline yourself, you're curbing desires. 
you're, you're sort of doing things that don't come naturally so often. And, and those who have never been accustomed to faithfully giving, this really is something that you must discipline yourselves to do. Along with that in verse number seven, we won't really deal with this one, but, but Christian giving should not be a forgotten grace. It should not be something that we simply let, let, let aside. And, and he talks to the Corinthians here and he said, you, you excel in so many other ways, but you're not excelling in this. You've forgotten it. You had good intentions, but you're not completing it. And, and you see that in Christian life. There are sometimes people are, they're, they're devoted to Bible reading they're becoming faithful in, in attendance and they're growing in various other ways. But for some people, this act of generous giving is the one that's just the impediment that they just can't seem to get to that point. We need to be resolved. We don't need to forget the grace of Christian giving. We need to see next that Christian giving arises from love and not legalism. Christian giving arises from love and not from legalism. Look at verses 8 through 10 once more. He says, I say this not as a command. Do you see that? Not as a command. I'm not, I'm not coming to you with law. I'm not coming here to, to lay down something from the Word of God that demands you must do this. Not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. I want you to demonstrate a genuine love, he's saying. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. You know, many people think when you come to talk about giving, that, that you really got to coerce people because they are naturally inclined not to want to give. And so you really, I've, I've heard of an awful lot of preaching on the topic of giving that really tries to beat people over the head that tries to scare them into giving, that, that tries to twist their arm, that, that tries to sometimes hold out false promises that aren't necessarily true about them becoming wealthy in order to move them to, to become giving. And you would think, if, if Paul had that mindset, that, that he would do that here. You would think that if he was wanting people to give like this, that he would pull out all the stops, that, that he could maybe pour on the guilt, that he could pour on the law of God. But he says here, I don't command it to you. I'm not saying this to you as a command. Paul's logic behind giving is really counterintuitive. He's an apostle of the church. Can't he warn them that this is the command of God? Can he tell them that they need to heed his instruction on this matter? As an apostle, couldn't he lay down a command and say, you must give? Paul is bold on other matters as well. He does that at times. There are times where he issues commands and he says, you must do this. But here he says, I'm not commanding you. He doesn't do that on this issue. Why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he lay down a command for, for believers? Why does he leave it in, in this state? Well, verse number 8 tells us Verse number 8 tells us why he's doing that. I'm not saying it as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. He wants this to be an act of love. An act of love to God and a lack of, uh, uh, an act of love toward others. You see, love is displayed by actions, but actions that are coerced are not acts of love. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying 
that obeying a command is not that I'm not saying that obeying a command is is always legalism and that it's always devoid of love. Jesus, remember, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so obeying God's command sometimes is is an act of love. There are there are clear commands given in Scripture that that we do because we love God. But there is a way to give sort of legalistically, which is devoid for gen, of genuine love for God and others. And Paul wants to avoid that here. He says, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want you to give simply because I, as an apostle, have demanded that you give. I don't want to lay out a certain amount that you're supposed to give and say, you must do this. I don't want to do that because I really want to err away from just twisting your arm and sort of encouraging and even forcing you to do something that you really don't have a heart to do. And so much Christian giving is, is done in that way. Well, well I've got to give or the hot water tank's going to go out. God will get his money somehow and, and the preacher's really going to lay it on me if, I don't, if I'm not giving, you know? All, all of those sorts of methods of, of trying to encourage people to give. And, and Paul wants to avoid all of that legalism and say, I'm not going to give you a command, but this is what I want you to prove your love. Prove your love to God. Prove your love to others by being faithful to give. He desired for them and He desires for us to give enthusiastically, willingly, because of love, not because, strictly speaking, because of law. Where does this love come from? Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I, man, I just don't feel that love. I, I, I struggle with wanting to be generous and 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 i struggle with those things where where does where does one find this love in your heart that would lead you just to generously and sacrificially give away your 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 wealth and your abundance and look what he says in verse number nine after he's saying i want you to do this to demonstrate the genuineness of your love he points them to the gospel he points them to jesus christ and and he's saying look at christ meditate on the work of christ meditate on what jesus has done for you and as you're meditating on what christ has done for you this great act of love if you're if you're a believer and the spirit of god is in you love is going to be flowing from that from your meditation from your contemplation on the cross Look what he says in verse number nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Look at the work of Christ. Look at how he gave. He was rich. He had all things. And he, as Philippians says, right, he poured himself out. He, he didn't grasp that. He didn't hold on to it. He, he, he condescended. He came to this earth. He, he laid aside those things temporarily to, to enter into this world. And He did that so that you who were poor, spiritually speaking, you who had no hope, you who were impoverished, you who had no way to God, no way of salvation, He did that so that you could become rich. And now, you who have uh, become rich, uh, have, have done so by His poverty. We have experienced and had poured out on us all the blessings of God. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us all the blessings of God, spiritual blessings, have been granted to us in Christ Jesus because of His act of condescension. And so, Christian, as you meditate on that, it ought to free your heart 
as you think about what Christ has done, if you're a believer and you can contemplate truly and accurately what Christ has done for you, there is no way that the Spirit of God will not use that to produce generosity in your heart. I'm not saying for some of you that that might be a, a struggle, that might be a besetting sin uh, that, that is a challenge for you and that you must fight against, but as you contemplate Christ, as you think rightly about your position and what Christ has done for you, th there is no way that that will not create generosity in your heart. You see, God loves a cheerful giver Romans chapter or Second Corinthians chapter nine verse seven says that he says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not by command of the apostle Paul, as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This is not about coercion. This is not about getting you to do something you don't want to do. Because he says this: God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not here this morning to twist your arm. God expects his people to be generous. There are commands to be generous. Those exist. That's there. But generous giving is an act of worship. And it's not something that I can compel. By beating you over the head and coercing you to give more or to be more generous. Listen, if that's what is done, if it's done, it doesn't do any good really to shame or guilt people into giving. Because that kind of giving may help pay the bills. It may help get a little more in the offering plate, but it is not pleasing to God. You see, you can give from coercion. You can give because of pressure. You can give out of a spirit of legalism, but that is not pleasing to the Lord. What He wants and what He desires is that you would freely give because you have been radically changed by the Gospel. So we close this morning. A couple applications. If you're here this morning, you're a believer who finds it challenging to give. Let me just ask you a, a few questions. One, are, are you regularly remembering and meditating on what Christ has done for you? Are, are you seeing the gospel? Are you meditating on the gospel? Do you know that you are fully loved and accepted forever because Christ selflessly poured out his life for you? Are you thinking, on, is, that, is that something that shapes your thought? Is that something that shapes your life? Do you know that you have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ? Every good thing that God has has been given to you because of Christ and His act of condescension, His act of generosity to you. you you've received forgiveness of sins forever. Full and final forgiveness of your sins you have received. You received adoption. God has brought you lovingly and generously into His family and called you His sons and His daughters. You've received adoption. You, you have received His Holy Spirit as a gift. He's poured out His Spirit on you and, and many, many more things. As you contemplate that, that if, if you're struggling with that, you need to be meditating on those things. Do you know the sweet promises of God? Are, are you, is your mind and is your heart saturating in those promises? Promises like He'll never leave you or forsake you? Maybe you're clenching and maybe you're refusing to give because you're afraid of what will happen if you give. But you need to know the Lord will not leave you or forsake you. You need to understand, as the psalmist said, that, that I've never seen the righteous begging for bread or, or the promise that God has made that He will supply every one of your needs in Christ Jesus. He's not going to let you go without what you truly need. 
So if you're a believer and you're struggling with this area, I would just encourage you to meditate on the gospel, the truths of the gospel, the promises of God. If you're an unbeliever here this morning, you may hear this and think, yep, of course, the church wants my money. <laughs> I should have known if I came to church, it would be about trying to get money. That's, what, that's all the church is. The reality is, we don't want your money. And God, we believe, will supply all of our needs. He always has, and so we don't really need your money. What we want is not for you to give us something or to give God something, but for you to receive something. We want you to receive the free gift of God. We want you to know that Christ poured out His riches in order to redeem a sinner like you. If you'll open your hand and receive the gift of salvation, it will be freely given to you by simply trusting in Jesus Christ. You may think by hearing this sermon, oh, the church wants something. God wants something from me. If you're an unbeliever, God has something to offer to you this morning. If you would like to do that, if you would like to put your faith in Jesus Christ and receive the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins, come and talk to me. Talk to me. You can come up as we're singing, you can come up at the end of the service, you can reach out to me this week. But if you want to know more about that, or you would like to put your faith in Christ, I would encourage you to reach out to me or to Jared this week. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ. What a glorious truth that he who was rich became poor, that we, through his poverty, might become rich, and we have become rich. Lord, we have not become rich in wealth and material things. That's not what it's about. We have become rich in spiritual blessings. And, and sometimes those things seem unreal. So, sometimes they don't seem as real as money in the bank. But in reality, with an eternal perspective, seeing spiritual truths, we recognize that those things are actually more real than dollar bills. They, they are more real. They are more lasting they are more true than any amount of money in this world. We praise you, O oh Lord, for the gift of Christ, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, and the gift of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us be faithful stewards of the things that you've given to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.